You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bulldog Hour. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and not with me tonight is Justin Raffoff, but that's okay. We called up our designated hitter, and with us once again here is Mr. Paul Roberts. Paul, how are you doing? Hopefully able to hit a little bit better than the Phillies did today in the uh, DH role, but thanks for having me on. It's always uh, fun to talk some football. Yeah, and actually have you here in person in, in the, the Bulldog Hour studios tonight. <laughs> yeah, this is a first, This is quite a room. I'll, t- I'll <laughs> tell you, it would take me several hours to go through all this memorabilia that you have down it's, here. It's like one of those uh, search and find books. You know, I'll give you a list and you have to find it. You know, there will be a quiz at the end. <laughs> Uh, but no, we're very uh, happy that you could fill in for Justin. We love having you there, and we always get a great response when we have you on, whether it's this one talking high school sports, high school football, or on the regular show when we're just talking everything. I know tonight we could talk about the NBA playoffs and golf, but we're going to focus on uh, Wilson football. That's what we're going to do this evening. Uh, but definitely happy to have you on here. And, uh, you know, we have a good show. I t- said to you beforehand that normally Justin and I do this three times in the offseason because Wilson. Wilson football is always in demand, but honestly, this offseason, there hasn't been a lot of information out there. Everyone's kind of been focusing on other things, um, high school sports, not at least not the active high school sports were pushed to the back burner. But once the summer got here, things opened up, spring practice at the end of May or early June for a lot of teams around the county. And uh, just this week, Wilson hosted their seven-on-seven after a year hiatus because of the coronavirus pandemic. They got to host that again. And I know yesterday was the annual Bulldog Open, one of the big fundraisers for the Wilson football team. So, yes, um, you know whether you like it or not, I think we here, Paul and I and Justin, we enjoy Wilson football as soon as uh, we can think about it. Um, but there are plenty of you out there. They're probably not listening. They're like, you're talking high school football already. It's <laughs> Father's Day. It's mid-June. It's not even the 4th of July. What are you doing? I'll say, though, West Lawn is one of those areas where you could probably talk high school football 365 days uh, out of the year. And Justin and I do pretty yeah. much. So <laughs> that's kind of the, the reason that we have this show. So, but yeah, let's um, do. We'll do my little housekeeping here at the beginning of the episode, where we uh, we thank the people that make this show possible, and uh, by and large, that is by my dad and May's Sandwich Shop sponsoring us since the beginning of the show. Believe it or not, we're in season seven of this rebooted Bulldog Hour. You know that started back with Coach Contafio and and Coach Brubaker hosted it in you know the early two thousands. Uh, that was a big deal then, and Justin and I brought it back before the twenty fifteen season. So yeah, season. Seven and we thank um, my dad and May Sandwich Shop for that, as well as our anonymous donor. You know, we're in a new season, and once again, one of our anonymous donors already reached out and uh, helped us uh, financially, which is always a great thing to do. Um, and we appreciate the support in any way that we get it. You know, we offer sponsorships and advertising. You heard last year, uh, Small Player Big Play was a big one on these shows. Um, but we, we take the in-kind donations. We very much appreciate it. Definitely check out the website. BulldogHour.com is a great place for Wilson football. 
both past and present. I have a whole archive up there where I went through many of the seasons um, one by one, especially um, late 80s, early 90s, and or excuse me, late 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I've got like a 15-year where you can see every game, every article, everything up there. Um, so definitely check that out. And Justin's not here, so I'll say it. Spread the word, like and share the stuff that we put out there. That absolutely helps us in a big way. So here we are, episode two of season seven. The next show will be the start of our weekly live shows. That'll be August 8th. Justin and I will start our weekly shows. We start August 8th and we're going to go to, well, we always like to say at least Thanksgiving. That's always the goal (laughs) here at the Bulldog Hour. We want to be talking Wilson football uh, until we're eating turkey. So um, that's the hope. But that pretty much takes care of everything I need to say. So let's get to talking about the 2021 Wilson football season. Paul, let's start with the roster. I know we talked about, amazingly, four months ago when we had you on the premiere episode for this seventh season about uh, returning starters uh, and key contributors. So let's take a little bit more of an in-depth look at those names to know, as I'm calling them now on offense, because at this point in time, it's tough for us quasi-outsiders to know exactly who's going to start. So I'm not necessarily saying these people are going to be the ones um, under center in the trenches or catching the balls or whatever, but these are the names you're probably most likely to hear. Um, And we got to start a quarterback because that's the one that everyone wants to hear us talk about. Kind of an important position. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's the way (laughs) things have revolved around it. Maybe not always the case in West Lawn, as we'll get to later when we talk about our top five quarterbacks in Wilson history. Yeah, I can't wait wait for that. That's (laughs) I'm big on the Mount Rushmore and uh, all those type of debates. So that that is going to be fun later on. We'll have to have you on the Joe Mays and J-Rap show to talk about Mount Rushmore in, in, in the Philly sports. Justin and I did that a couple of years ago, and that was fun. We covered all of them, six wow. Flyers, Eagles, Phillies, and that was that was a great conversation. We had a lot of uh, fan input, too. But for, yeah, our Wilson uh, top five quarterbacks, that's coming up towards the end of the show. But right here, right now, you know, I think you could say that there's probably just a two-way sh- battle for the starting job from between two seniors, uh, the returning Gannon Brubaker, who... Uh, started last year in place of an injured Caleb Brown and um, Brad Hoffman, who came from Burke's Catholic. He is also a senior. Both of them uh, played in the seven on seven on Thursday. Those are the two big names. And there's a few behind them, um, underclassmen that are fighting for it. But to me, it seems like we're, we've been separated by the two seniors, Brubaker and Hoffman. What's your take on those two? Do you know much about either of them? And uh, I think, you know, you mentioned it's kind of been a quiet offseason. One very, very significant piece of news to pass on is that Brad Hoffman will be eligible for the District 3 playoffs if Wilson gets there. And, you know, that's always something that's up in the air now with the new transfer rule. And, and he's coming in as a senior, but there are certain hardships uh, that uh, District 3 will allow players to compete in the postseason. Um, and I, I've spoken to Coach Doms about this. It's, a, it's an awkward situation, especially at quarterback, because if you're the head coach, do you want to play someone at that position for an entire regular season and then get to the playoffs and say, okay, guys, we're going to go to a new quarterback right now. New you know, general for you. Yeah, so... I don't know that he would have played quarterback. In fact, uh, from what I've been told, he would not have played quarterback. If he had been ruled ineligible. Correct. So that is a very significant piece of information that he will be able to compete 
in the District 3 playoffs, and if, if they would get to the, the PIAA state playoffs, that he would able to compete there. Um, I first heard about Brad Hoffman when he was at Schuylkill Valley. Okay. He was a, a freshman, and there was a lot of promise there, and he, he went to Burke's Catholic. I've seen him play there. He looks the part. He's, I mean, you were at the 7-on-7. Seven seven. He's a big, strong kid. I mean, physically, last year, Burke's Catholic listed him at 6'2", 215. Um, usually, people don't get any smaller, right. especially when they're in my age bracket. <laughs> usually, the, that 215 goes up a little bit as opposed to, to uh, going down. If anyone has any magical advice for getting that to go down, I would certainly appreciate it. But he's a, he's a big kid. He has a very strong arm. A uh, couple of questions. Uh, accuracy would be one. Uh, last year at Burke's Catholic, he was around 45% uh, for his completion rate for the season. And then the second big one is, you know, Joe, we're talking about two totally different offenses. Drastically different. Right. I mean, he was in a, a wing tee, which uh, Coach Keeley has run there forever and has had a lot of success. Oh, run very well. Yeah. Just not known for quarterback production. Yeah, they just don't throw the ball uh, very much. And it, going back to when uh, he was with Holy Name, these were teams that were going to run the ball 40, 45 times. Now you're going to a Wilson offense that for the high school level, you don't find – too many teams more balanced than Wilson if, if you look at run-pass ratio. And there are certain teams in this county, you know, why missing obviously is, an, is another wing T. Governor Mifflin will run you know, midline veer option yeah, game. Yeah. So they're going to they're gonna pound the football. It's not going to be 50-50. And it's been very successful for those schools. So it's, it's hard to argue with that when you win as, as much as – as they do. Last year, why missing won a district title. Governor Mifflin also won a, a district title. But how does he adapt now? And the good news is, you know, Jeremy Palm has been on the staff over two decades now, former quarterback. So he'll be working with him a lot. But this this offseason is going to be crucial for Brad Hoffman to to learn a brand new offense because Wilson is, is going to throw the ball a lot. And it's going to be a much different than a wing T where you, you ran a waggle and you know they don't have a whole lot of passing plays. Wilson's offense, a lot of those routes are timing routes, and the ball has to be out quickly, and the ball has to be on time, and the ball has to be accurate. Uh, so th- that is, you know, w- we're going to talk about some of the other you know key contributors coming back, but. You always start with quarterback. Well, right. Where, Every, yeah. that's, I mean, when we had you on four months ago, yeah. I had my dad text me, when are you going to talk about the quarterbacks? Because that's that's what everyone, yeah. and anyone that follows it knows, you, Caleb Brown's graduated. Right. He's now playing at Penn State. What's going to happen here? Yeah. And especially we had the upheaval because there were the rumors back around when we did the show, maybe even a, a month earlier, that someone had moved in. There was a quarterback, a new quarterback in right. town. So, uh, yeah, from what I saw at the 7-on-7, seven seven, uh, it was it was tough because I was very much looking forward to that battle because I figured it was going to be come down to the two of them. And I, I still believe that's the case, but unfortunately, uh, I didn't get to see as much of Gannon. Uh, he 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 um, was injured in the, the defensive session at the beginning, so he, I didn't get to see him play more than that first series. So it would have been interesting to see Gannon and Bragg go back and forth and see um, see everything thrown um, together in the first competition. The, but the other thing to note 
it's interesting. We talk about this often. You've talked about it many times. We've asked Coach Doms about this. Do we like our quarterbacks playing defense? <laughs> because I didn't see Brad take any reps on defense, but Gannon was starting a safety. So it's interesting to see what's going to happen there. Could Gannon be a two-way guy? We don't see that often. Caleb was a guy. Everything was A lot was made about him over the last two years playing a lot in the defensive secondary. And we know that generally the Wilson quarterbacks, you're told no. I know there's been a few in the last 25 years or so. Our buddy Rob Walters, Rob Walters was one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's definitely one. He always that reminds me every time I see uh, him. Starting cornerback <laughs> and starting quarterback for, for, for the year. Yeah. Um, for sure. But, but yeah, it, it is rare. Is that because happen? you don't want to risk injury? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Now, now Brad Hoffman, I, I, I would be stunned if he plays defense. Right. Be, be, because I, I think as of now, you, you do project him as the starting quarterback. Uh, Nick Krakona, mm-hmm. you know, is, is also an, another quarterback in the mix. Yep. But if you're asking me right now who the starting quarterback is going to be, I, I think it's going to be Hoffman. And I, I think he'll just be on offense. You know, I, I when you try and play somebody on defense too, you know, sometimes at the smaller level, you know, single A, double A, triple A, if they're that good of an athlete, your your hands forced a little bit. But Wilson has so much depth. I mean, last year's roster had close to eighty players. They've had years where they've had over eighty players, close to triple digits, yeah. right? So with that many players. Usually, um, you won't see the quarterback playing on both both sides of the football. Yeah, I I mean, I agree with you. I think as of right now, the tea leaves are saying that it's probably leaning Brad, but I know it's an open competition, and I know Gannon's going to give Brad uh, as much as he can handle. I would expect to maybe... They might not come out and say it, but I would think by the time the, the camp in, at Lebanon Valley in July is over that they would have a clear-cut decision of who's going to be the guy. So. Yeah, you're, you're right. They probably won't say anything. And with Wilson's program, it doesn't matter who you are. You're just not going to be handed you know, oh, yeah. a starting position. You know, it just doesn't work that way over here. I mean, you know, they are very big proponents of the offseason and, you know, we know how important the lifting program is and getting in the weight room and putting in the time in the offseason. So, you know, it doesn't really matter who you are. With a program like this, they don't just say, you know, here you here's a free pass. Right. You're going to be the man. You're going to earn it no matter what. I'm, I can guarantee, you know, Justin and I will be live on, on August 8th, and I'm not sure I haven't done the schedule yet if we're going to be broadcasting our player interviews, coaches interviews, but if I talk to – uh, the coaches, they won't tell me who the quarterback <laughs> is. They, they don't, they're not going to put that out there. Yeah. Even if Justin and I know, we won't put that out there either. And they certainly won't put that out there. They don't want Central often to know for mm-hmm. August 27th. Prepare for both because they could be wildly different uh, passers. So, um, so that's the big one, quarterback. That's where they stand. Two-man competition right now. Where there's not really a competition is at running back because the guys that played the most staffs as a result of some injuries last year are, are all back. Um, Jaden Jones, obviously big name. Um, he got to contribute some as a sophomore, but really had a huge, uh, games last year as a junior. And we all remember the beginning of the Mannheim township game where he reeled off that big run to put Wilson up and, uh, he's back now, uh, as a senior, then Gavin Leonard, 
uh, kind of burst on the scene last year. He's he's kind of like that that bulldozer, that bowling ball that <laughs> you just can't stop him. Like he just bounces off. He just keeps the legs churning, and he is a guy that feels a throwback Wilson football player, kind of more like a fullback you would have seen years ago when you know Wilson still used a fullback or like uh, a Dylan Stopper. Uh, sure, absolutely. Type. You yeah. know, he he might have been one. He might. I'm trying to think of other fullback because you're right. I mean, they don't they don't. Very rarely. They don't use a it's, fullback a it's whole kind lot. Kind of more of that tight end H back kind yeah, of Yeah, unless you know short yardage or goal line sure. situations, yeah. baby. So Gavin is back. Uh, get so get to see Jaden and Gavin back there. Um, and I, I don't want to sleep on Jason Beckford either because when he's gotten the opportunities, he's been able to produce. Uh, he's always looked great in, in JV games in the mop-up time. Uh, so I think he could uh, be in for some carries there in the backfield with Jaden Gavin as well. Uh, all seniors back there, though. So it'll be interesting to see what underclassmen develop as we look towards the years ahead. But Jaden Gavin and, and, and Jason... I think that's pretty good three-headed beast back there and they're all bruisers those are not they may not have that breakaway guy like last year gavin's brother mason was the speed guy Mm -hmm. that may be the one thing that they're missing at least at the surface maybe someone's hidden that hasn't um, shown themselves yet Um, but Jaden, gavin and jason are all are all big bruising running backs so maybe they do need to find that guy that'll mix it up a little yeah i I think if you're ranking position groups running back would be if not the strongest one of the strongest i think their linebackers are going to be very good too and soon you're going to hear some, some of the of same, same names, names yeah. right yeah but Jaden jones is a stud i mean you, you could tell when he was a younger player uh coming up that he was going to be a big time back last year they had him at at 215 pounds uh, he averaged about seven yards a, a carry gavin averaged about seven yards a carry too and you know he's a physical kid i mean he's he's thick i mean you know he's he's put together a little bit so uh you know i i don't have any concern about the the running back position it makes you wonder a little bit we talked about the balance run pass when you have those guys at running back and then you have a, a new starting quarterback do they maybe dial back the passing a little bit this this upcoming season and try and grind it out a little bit? Now I'm not talking about going back to you know two tight ends and uh, a, a fullback and and the uh, pride of Cole Township John Gursky days here. <laughs> I, we're not going to see that, but I'm just wondering if maybe they do run the ball a little bit more because that to me that's clearly where the strength is that that, that position group. Oh yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Uh, on offense, I would say it's the one that is um, the deepest, has the most experience, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can settle the offensive line to allow them to do some big things. And we'll get to the offensive line group here shortly, but let's talk about the receivers, both at wide receiver and the and I just mentioned they kind of use a tight end or H back group. So there's a lot of names here, and I saw them rotate frequently at the 7-on-7, a mixture of seniors and some underclassmen. Um, And I should mention at the 7-on-7, there were a a fair number of uh, important players, names that we're talking about or are going to say, that were not there. So obviously, 7-on-7, there's no pads, there's no linemen, and uh, you know it's just to kind of get an interesting look at where you're at this early in the the summer program. Yeah, 7-on-7s are... Uh, to be honest, sometimes I find them amusing. Just, I, they're they're valuable. Don't get me. Any practice time is valuable, but when people put a lot of stock into a, a seven on seven, right. I just 
I chuckle a little bit. I always think back to Mike Tyson, who who had uh, the great line that everybody has a strategy until they get punched in the face. <laughs> and I think about football. When you have guys in shorts and no pads, to me, you're not finding out a whole lot about you. Right. You know, fo- most coaches will tell you the game is one up front. The skill players get out of it. Right. The skill players get the attention, but uh, in 20 plus years of covering high school sports, I've yet to seen a quarterback throw well from his backside. So if you can't block and protect him, it doesn't matter. Again, is it valuable practice time? Sure. You know, it's good for the skill guys to work on timing and things like that. But sometimes I think people see these seven on sevens and project forward as if this, that's going to be a great team right now it's know. better it's a good way to analyze and make personal evaluations on specific things so on offense obviously are you running the right routes are you, do you know the plays can do you know when to put power on the throw or when do you need to touch it but we're not dealing with blitzes we're not dealing with the guys in front of you. There's no running game. And the defense knows it's a pass. All, you know, it's 10 and 10. It's a pass. They don't have to take their run reads. The coaches will yell at them and say, you got to respect the run first. But they know it's a pass. Yeah. So, yeah. No, you're right. It, it's tough to – I'm just always excited for it because it's just the first time I right. see yeah. the guys out it's, there. But exactly. obviously, no, it doesn't – it's not the be-all, end-all yeah. of the – you can't be like, well – we didn't win that seven on seven game, so I guess we're gonna have a bad year. Doesn't exactly work yeah. that way. But um, when you're missing the the Jones brothers, um, John Ramsey, uh, Josh Drake, all not there. Yeah, those are uh, some significant pretty, players. pretty big names yeah. uh, for for Wilson. So no, they weren't there. But uh, at, at wide receiver, uh, TJ Flight, who uh, saw plenty of time on offense and defense last year, he's back. Same thing with Sean Dendel. He uh, played wide receiver last season. Josh Drake, who I just mentioned, he should be a two-way guy for the Bulldog. Same thing with Spencer Tanga. He's only a junior, but played last year on defense as a, as a returner. He will get uh, opportunities at wide receiver, as will Evan Williams, Ofuri Odiali, Nate Capitano, and uh, sophomore Austin Velukovic. So um, guys coming back, maybe not some huge names um it's been a while since wilson had a multi-year big time name at receiver come back um but they always seem to find a way and some of my favorite teams from you know the last decade now that i think about going back to like 2013 um 2014 um there were developing names there but no big names coming back and you don't always need those big names or even big bodies at at receiver it helps but yeah. it's not it's not everything although dendel's got some size to him so um they definitely have a, a mix of quick guys and some some height it'll be interesting to see how they mix in with um their tight end and h backs um which will look to be uh nick weitzel and possibly west prince prentice and alex ortiz so Lots of names there. Anyone you want to talk about? I think, well, first, uh, Troy Corson graduates. So, uh, again, one of those receivers, certainly not the biggest, maybe not the fastest, but was a really good football player. You know, uh, for a high school player, very reliable, very experienced. He was on the field as a freshman, Mm -hmm. which is tough to do in any program, let alone... Start at safety as a freshman. Yeah, I mean, let alone when, when you're at a 6A school like Wilson. So... Uh, he moves on, and also Corey Powers, who got time at, at tight end, moves on. Um, I, I would agree with you. There, there's no one that jumps off the page right now, but if you're one of those players that, that you mentioned, the good news to me, if I'm in that group, is 
the knowledge if I work hard, you know, I, I'm going to get a chance to play. That Opportunity. D- right. I mean, it's not, like running back, that depth chart is pretty solid. You know, there's not going to be – Jaden Jones is going to be on, on the field. Uh, wide receiver, I mean, if you – you know, there's reps to be had out there. You know, for for a lot of those players that you mentioned, I I don't know that there's going to be a superstar in that group, but you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. Uh, but there, certainly, there's opportunity for for all those players. There's there's going to be a chance. And the other thing about Wilson over the years is, um, you know, they change formations a lot with guys rotating on and off the field. So. It's not like some teams where the top receiver has 40 catches and the next guy has eight. Mm-hmm. You know, Wilson has, I think, a lot more balance. Yep. And if you're open in the route, you get the ball. It's not necessarily focusing on one player. I mentioned eight names there with the wide receiver. I probably missed one or two, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. And also the thing that's important, and we've seen over the, the years, especially the last five years or so, a lot of these players will play two ways at – but Coach Palm and the offensive staff will have a variety of receivers rotate in that maybe don't play as much on defense. Mm-hmm. They can sub guys here and there to give someone a break. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who steps up there because that's another position. There's a lot of bodies, but let's see who uh, you know make that the top four or five guys that you're going to hear the names of. So that's that's what this is for. Just get the names out there uh, and let's see um, let's see what rises to the top and uh, and is catching balls from either Gannon or Brad come Friday nights in the fall. Um, a lot of unknowns, like I mentioned, at tight end and H back. Um, Nick Weitzel's a junior. I think after moving, uh, we didn't say this on the air yet. I said it to you before the show, but last one of last year's tight ends, John Ramsey, is moving to offensive line, which opened up that tight end or H back spot. And it looks like Nick Weitzel has a handle on it right now, and he'd be an interesting one. He's a big body um, that could um, could make a name for himself um, when the twenty twenty one season gets started. So let's talk about the big bodies in the trenches, the offensive linemen, uh, who we know are the most important people on the field. <laughs> we all know this. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, when is someone going to create a fantasy football league? Where you with, draft offensive yes. linemen? Yeah, offensive and defensive linemen. Right. And, that, and, that, and maybe you get one quarterback. that You treat them like your kicker. <laughs> like at the yeah. very end of the draft. Why you, you get, take a quarterback yeah. so early? Yeah. Take him in the last round. You don't need him. Yeah. You need offensive line depth. Patrick Mahomes goes in round 17. <laughs> 17 yeah. yeah. Uh, great. I love it. But, uh, so Wilson took some hits along the offensive yeah, line, losing sure. some, some, some important players there, uh, as they did, uh, last year as well, but, uh, they stepped up the guys that replaced them, um, managed to go, you know, six and one last year, and they'll be looking to, um, replace three guys again this year. And also the guys that are returning have shuffled their positions. Now, from what I can tell, and again, there's no line at seven on seven. So this is all word of mouth and what I can take from the, um, the spring practices that I was able to watch the video of. And again, this could change because I know there's at least one or two other guys in in line for roles here. But from what I can tell... Yeah, keep in mind it is June, everyone. (laughs) Uh, Check back with me on August 8th. I might have a little bit of a better idea then. But uh, returning offensive lineman Kyle Hassler is shifting out from guard to left tackle. Junior Brendan Hopp, who um, was in the mix last year as a sophomore, will get a chance to start as a junior possibly at left guard, one of the guard spots. The center looks to be senior Jack Durning, who again um, was one of the backups last year. 
And John Ramsey moving in from his tight end spot to guard. I have him at right guard right now. Again, that could change. But John Ramsey, also a senior, inside now at guard. And then, a, well, a starter at times, at least, or at least a fill-in for, for injuries at the beginning of the season. And then uh, one that really burst onto the scene as a freshman. Wilson doesn't have too many freshmen yeah. start or play significantly. You know, reason we had Nate Keller for four years. And now we have Jack Dendle. Sean's younger brother um, will move into the starting lineup from day one this year, and now he's moved out from center or guard to right tackle, though I think a lot of these players have the ability to shift around. That's one thing that they've developed with these players is the ability to play three or four of these five positions, which is key as you go through a season. So right now, sophomore Jack Dendle has shifted out to right tackle tackle he's definitely one to watch he has been at the prospect camps i know he's been mistaken for guys entering their junior or senior years <laughs> uh so and he's only a sophomore you know he's a what would that be class of 2024 i guess graduating class of 2024 for jack so yeah we have him for a few years which is great and he will start at i expect him to start at right tackle this year so and as a freshman they had him at 235 Again, you know, the, with those uh, linemen, it, that's only going to go up from there. But uh, he, he was on crutches at later in the season. Mm -hmm. So, you know, unfortunately had had to deal with some injuries. But uh, definitely a player to watch. I think this is a bit of a question mark, though, th this group up front. I mean, Chase Walters, who was 265 uh, moving on. Schroofer moves on. Um, Moss at center Moss, yep. moves on. Uh, so again, it's Ethan Ashcroft who played yep. some guard, uh, graduated as well. So just like we were talking about wide receiver, you know, there, there are some openings here, uh, you know, moving Ramsey. I mean, he, he was a big kid, so I'm, I'm not shocked. I mean, he was six two two fifteen. So obviously they can put some more weight on there and, and you know that that's one interesting note going into next season. But you know that those players, the, especially those younger guys, I mean, they're going to get thrown into the fire now up front. And um, you know, one one thing about Wilson's program is sometimes you don't have as many of the multi-year starters because there are good players ahead of you, and you, you have to wait your turn um, to get in the mix there. But I, I think offensive line and also defensive line, you know, those those I would say are question marks right now. Now, I mean, the good news is they they have all off season to uh, get ready, but they're, they're going to be relying on some younger players. And I know the younger classes are classes that people have said uh, have some really good players in there. But you know, that's that's a group I think. Definitely something to watch how they gel and, and develop uh, before the season starts. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're 100% correct there. Uh, the line is so important. Every it's, you know it's a football cliche that everything's won there, and we talk about it all the time. Um, it'll be interesting to see how you know quarterback was one thing we talked about. Who's going to be the starter there? Those five offensive linemen are so so key. And and you look at their schedule too. I mean, Wilson doesn't schedule cupcakes. Yeah, I mean, those are going to be physical. Will you play Central Dolphins? I mean, that's like, you know, Ollie Frazier. I mean, you know, you better be ready to go 
for those type of games because they're, they're certainly not going to take it easy. <laughs> it, no. may, it may say non-league on the schedule. Those are going to be some of the most physical games. And right. Governor Mifflin is another team. They come off the ball. I mean, they're – they're not gonna. I mean, there's not gonna be a lot of deception there. You know what you're. You know what's you're gonna. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so to be stout up front is is very important, and there's not gonna be a whole lot of time. No. For them to get get ready. Yeah, they will transition to the defensive side of the ball to talk about it, but uh, I'll pull up the schedule here for everyone to see what we're talking about. And you know, we talked about this four months ago, yeah. but we will know what kind of team Wilson is before October. They have. Their first five games are brutal, <laughs> brutal before they get to the LL schedule. Well, first, their scrimmage is against Coatesville. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how they, they stack up against Coatesville because they've been a, a peak performing team. Now, I know the quarterback, Ortega, has, I believe, moved on. He's mm-hmm. in the college ranks now after starting for four years. But they're not one to uh, shy away from... Uh, an electric offense, at least of late. And they have usually the horses that try to give a run to St. Joe's Prep and, and the big boys. So be interesting to see um, Wilson hosting Coatesville on August 21st. But then you kick off the season, host Central Dolphin, go to Shillington to play Mifflin, then return to go to Exeter, which I think a lot of people don't understand how good Exeter is going to be this year. Then return home to play Martin Luther King, who we have no information on whatsoever. We were supposed to play him last year. Didn't get to. It was one of those things when um, the LL League shifted the formats. We were looking for an extra non-league game, and that's what ended up falling out of the tree when when Coach Doms and Drew Coffin were shaking the bushes (laughs) trying to figure out who's Wilson going to play. Martin Luther King stepped up. We didn't get to go down there last year, but they're coming to us on the 17th, and then we just get to finish, you know, with Ho-Hum, Mannheim Central. (laughs) You know, it's... Yeah, I mean it. It's it's tough. I mean, it's, you know, Coach McNamee at Central Dolphin, and I think is one of the best in the state. Uh, they only lost one game last year. It was in the the district playoffs. At Central York really blitzed them, and um, Central York I think showed that they are the real deal with what they did in in the district three playoffs. But you know, Central Dolphin is always going to be a very physical team. They have a great tradition there, kind of similar to what Wilson has done, you know, in the LL League is what Central Dolphin has done there in the mid-pen. I don't need to remind your audience, Joe, about the Governor Mifflin score from a year ago and that Nick no. Singleton guy uh, who, to some, it may seem like he's been in high school for 15 years. He's back again, uh, has offers from... Almost all of them. Yeah. I mean, all the, it's, it's actually, it's quieted down because uh, Nick usually DMs me every time he gets a new offer. (laughs) Well, now they've all pretty much off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when Nick Saban's calling you, uh, you're usually a fairly good football player. So So. Alabama's on, obviously Penn state. He's, he's been there. Um, And you, you are right about Exeter. Um, you know, I mean, you talk, they have guys who are going to be playing on Saturdays. Joey Schlaufer just today got another offer from Maryland. Um, he's going to be a Division One player, big target outside, about 6'6". Still has a couple more years to go. J.R. Strauss, now people are really starting to notice him. Penn State is starting uh, to notice him. He has multiple Division One offers, very physical player. Ty Yoakum. That's a familiar name over in Exeter. Uh, he's another kid. I mean, they all run through a brick wall. These are strong kids. And at quarterback, 
even though McCusker moves on, Colin Payne has been waiting in the wings and last year might have started for a bunch of teams. He's going to come in and he'll be the quarterback. So, uh, you know, that's uh, – Exer's going to be ready to play. I mean, that that's a game I think, you know, fans have, have been hoping to see. In Berks County, you like to see those type of, of matchups and – uh, that that's one certainly that they're going to circle, and you don't want to overlook them because you know that's already a handful of guys I just mentioned who are legitimate players. Those are uh, certainly Strauss and Schlaffer are legitimate Division One players. Yeah, I, I I saw it building. You know, we should have had the opportunity to play them last year, and the way things the season getting shortened, that didn't happen. It would have been interesting to see how that game would have gone down at Gursky last year, but now this year we get to go visit them at, at Exeter. Right. So, yeah, it's definitely that those first five games. I just if they can get through that, you know, with a winning record, uh, I, they I, they should feel accomplished. And looking at the LL League, which I don't think necessarily is going to be a, a very high this year, uh, I think Manheim Township could struggle this season. I think. Hempfield is the one to watch in the group that Wilson is playing, at least in section one. Right. And this is, we should point out, this is the last year right. for the current format. Yes. And then everything changes yes. uh, the, the following year where you have the merger with the Berks County teams. And uh, then then things are, <laughs> there are some sections, section two, I think, is going to be unbelievable right. uh, when that, but that is not this year. This no. year is still, yeah. and I'm curious about Mannheim Central because last year I thought was a rare down year. That was year. a very down year, mm-hmm. yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens now. I, I can't recall, I think LL League is getting rid of the cross mandated crossovers when they're moving to the new sections with because of the Burks merger, and I have the future schedules up here because the LL had already released them. Uh, we talked about this at the end of last season even, but in 2022, uh, the only real change is Reddings being added. That's mm-hmm. the only real yeah. difference. For Section 1, it's not going to be a, uh, a big upheaval. deal. It happens yeah. in all the other class or the other sections. Yeah, so, so it's gonna be Section big. 2, you're going to have Governor Mifflin, Mannheim Central, Exeter. Warwick, Exeter, all in that. That's that, a brutal section. Yeah. It's a brutal section. Right. But, um, so it'll be interesting. Uh, I know... I don't like to talk to Coach Doms or, or, or Drew Kaufman about are you talking about the non-league schedule in 2022 before 2021 is even here. <laughs> but I'm interested to see how they fill out. You know, the first three games are non-league, and then they have week six is a non-league game. And we had talked to – I don't remember if we talked to, on air to Coach Doms about this or if it was just uh, behind the scenes about is could Mifflin possibly be week six? Could you slot it in there instead of doing it at the beginning of the year? And I think he believed that both schools were adamant to keep it Labor Day weekend to try to have it be um, that week, what is now week two, or if you start with week zero, technically a week one. <laughs> I, they need to get rid of that. I yeah, I don't, that. I don't use week zero uh, no, anymore. So no. the second game looks to be where Mifflin will reside. Um, so let's look at the defense now quickly before we do our top five quarterbacks in Wilson's history here. Um, well, a lot of these names we've already mentioned, and we already kind of talked about the trenches. Big questions along the defensive line. You know, Jeff Colson was a big-time player, multi-year starter, a huge presence inside. He's moved on now. Eli Rodriguez was his 
his tackle mate, and he is back. He's a senior this year. Uh, I expect big things from him this year. He was kind of in Jeffrey's shadow last year, though he was always making plays. Just everyone focused on Jeffrey. Eli now is the guy there in, in the middle. And it'll be interesting to see who flanks him. I honestly have no idea who it's going to be. There's some big bodies that we talked about on offensive line, but are they going to transition to defense and play both ways? We talked about Hop, Hassler. Um, at, at end, also, I really don't know what's going to happen. Capitano, um, the elder, who's now moved on. Right. He he um, was a huge player on defense and, and special teams over the last few years. He, he's graduated and moved on. So guys like Nick Weitzel, Alex Worley, Wes Prentice, someone, you know, we're going to need two two or three of those guys to step up and, and anchor the outside. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where they slot these guys because we've seen in years past, back in like 2018, uh, Keller and Benina, who you would yes. think would play tackle, were moved out to end. Um, not as much speed and pass rushing prowess, but tough to run inside them when you got four big guys like that. Is that something we could see this year? Do they try Hassler outside rather than inside? It'll be nice to see, but again, right now, I can't. I cannot answer those questions at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you lose uh, a, a classic run stuffer kind of defensive tackle in Colison, and you lose a speed rusher in Capitano at defensive end you know I, I know over the years they've used what they call their nascar package where they bring in kind of these more undersized dns and you know capitano was only like 170 175 but he was very fast um and those and when passing situations when you know it third and long maybe second and long you can go to those type of guys so that yeah i mean up front, offensive end, uh, defensive line is a question mark. You know, Rod- Eli Rodriguez is going to have to have a big year up front. And then do we see someone like Dendel play defensive tackle? I mean, that's, you know, that's a decision they're going to have to make. I, I know they, they don't like to have a lot of two-way starters, but sometimes the personnel you have kind of dictates – what you have to do there. So, but there's like we talked about with wide receiver. I mean, I mean, there's there's playing time to be had. So, if you're one of the the players in those groups, you know, you, you should be optimistic about that. It's it's not like you're going into a situa- situation where, for example, you talked about Venino and Keller. I mean, you knew those guys were going to be on the field all the time. I, I don't see a situation like that with this team. Right. No, I, I agree, at least right now. I, when I, but I do love every year talking about the seniors that step up because a long time Wilson was known to have these senior classes of guys that just bide their time right. and they step up and have a big senior mm-hmm. year. I feel like we've missed that a little bit the last couple of years. There'd be seniors that have great years, but they either already were starting or you knew who they were and you knew they were ready to go. The, the biggest one that uh, I think – kind of defines the Wilson senior mentality was the running back a few years ago, Elijah Morales. No oh, yeah. knew who he was. Yeah. Now, inside the program, we knew right. the potential. Uh, and I coached Super him at, fast. at, at yeah. West. We, he was a great running back for us. But we didn't know, could he get the opportunity at the high school? And then 2018, you know, Iggy's gone. You had Avante, still an underclassman. And then Elijah just took the bull by right. the horns and became the guy. Yeah, that and was he a had gr- an incredible season right. at a running back. It was a great story. And and you're right. Sometimes people around the county are like, where'd this guy come from? Well, he was playing behind an all state guy or Iggy Reynoso, Right. So. <laughs> he was or he was playing behind someone who was all LL or something like that. You know, it's uh, 
you know, sometimes when you get with, at these big 6A schools, you know, as a freshman, sophomore, and sometimes even a junior, you're just, you know, it's like we talked about earlier. You're, you're never going to be given a spot at programs like these. You have to earn it. But, yeah, that, that was a terrific story, and that's a great example of a kid who stuck with the program. So many times nowadays, I think you hear stories of kids who don't play right away and they just quit. They leave. Yeah, it's like, well, you're a 10th grader. You, know? yeah. you still have two more years, you know, but people want um, instant access yeah. to everything. Instant uh, gratification. Right, yeah. Instant popularity. Yeah, you're just not going to get it. Yeah, yeah. People like uh, Nate Keller and, and Jack Dendel and, you know, these big names. Chad Haney. Yeah. Chad Haney. We might talk about him a little <laughs> later. Uh you know, or a few years ago when, when John Fox and Jake Gaiman, those guys are starting as sophomores. It, it's rare. Yeah, especially that's at, the exception. Big time football and, and at Wilson, it's true. Generally, you're senior heavy. That's just the way way it works. You need to be in, in the program for that long. You need to learn the playbook. You need to be in the weight room. It's something that generally your freshmen and sophomores aren't, aren't ready. Mm-hmm. So stick it out. That's the biggest thing. you you got to bide your time. Um Linebacker, you know, you mentioned we talked about some of these guys on offense, well, at, at running back, um, an offensive line here, uh, returning significant contributors in John Ramsey and Gavin Leonard. Both of them played a lot of inside linebacker at the Bull and Dog for Wilson last year. So they're both returning, which is great for the team. Uh, a name you're going to hear a lot of when they, with, um, you know, Ramsey and Leonard also playing significant time on offense is Ryan McMillan, who's a sophomore. I'd expect him to kind of be that third guy rotating in and playing a lot on Friday nights. Um, he reminds me of maybe not quite like he's not exactly Ike Scheinauer, but he's the closest oh, wow. thing I feel like we've had. Wow, that's when high talking praise. About, when yeah. I'm talking about being that young and being able to play middle linebacker because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't get a lot of young kids that can start inside yeah, linebacker. Physical position. Um, and he was about 200 pounds last year as a ninth grader. Right, and he was on the team as a freshman, and he was one of those guys that you could kind of see he would flash when the backups would be put in and the young kids would play. Uh, and They only I, had three freshmen on the roster. Right. He was one. So. Uh, Dendel Velukovic yeah. and McMillan. Yeah. And I've mentioned all of their names now. Yeah. And I would expect um, Ryan to have a... a, a, a a lot of playing time at inside linebacker this year, spelling Ramsey and, and Leonard uh, since they'll both be playing on offense. Same thing, I think uh, you'll see Beckford in there. Jason Beckford uh, also have the potential to play some inside linebacker. You still have Jaden Jones, too. <laughs> and that's the you thing. Know, With him not there and his brother Cam, I wasn't exactly sure where all these guys are going to end up. Could could they be shifted around a little? Because Jaden played outside last year. I, I would think he would stay there, but I could be wrong. Um I had heard that there's a potential that Cam could move to outside linebacker away from defensive back. Again, he wasn't at the seven on seven, so I didn't see what they're going to try with either of the Jones brothers, but at outside linebacker, TJ flight played there last year. He's back. Jaden Jones played there last year. He's back on the team. Who knows if he's going to play outside linebacker or not. Uh, And they recently moved Sean Dendel there from the defensive backfield. He's got a lot of size um, and could play uh could play into that outside linebacker rotation. Also getting reps were Ofurio Deali, uh, Alex Ortiz, and Austin Velukovic. So again, some of these guys could be moving around as the summer progresses, but that's where they played last year. That's where I saw them at on the seven on seven. And so. Odiali was on the basketball mm-hmm. team. Got got important varsity minutes. Yeah, he he did. Was a, a big guy there. I'm a huge Cam Jones fan, not just because of his 
physical talent. I mean, obviously he's gifted. I just love his demeanor. I mean, he's just kind of one of those kids goes out there and plays, uh, has, has been in big games for basketball. Uh, didn't start last year, but played starters minutes. He got a lot of time. Uh, I'm curious what they do because last year's roster, he was listed as a quarterback and I, I saw him coming up and you know, he, he did play some quarterback. I'm wondering if he goes to wide receiver. I mean, he's such a good athlete. I think they'd like to have him on the field. Uh, I, you know, I, I think defensive back is probably a spot for him, but I just, I just like his, he doesn't seem to get rattled, you know, just seems to be very composed, uh, real good basketball player too. Absolutely. And I, I didn't have him anywhere on offense because I had no idea where to put him. Yeah. <laughs> um, if they end up using him on offense and not just um, having him focus on defense, I'd expect him to be a slash athlete type of guy, maybe run some, um, you know, receiver running back. We saw him do that at Manheim Central. He played some offense, which he hadn't done much, if at all, in the earlier games. But there's a potential for him to run, you know, some kind of uh, what what the the big thing a few years ago, the jet sweeps. The, well, yeah. and also, but play that um, the Razorback offense, you know, where the you have the slash guy come in at quarterback and, oh, and run okay. the read option with your two best athletes. Maybe the Jones brothers are back there at the same <laughs> time. Um, if you get it down right, that would be an interesting dynamic with the uh, the strength and physicality of Jaden, and then the. Um, the uh, speed and elusiveness right. of Cam. So, uh, but I do not know what, if at all, Cam will be featured on offense. Uh, he would definitely be a guy to uh, watch out for, um, and we'll see how it goes. But I did not get to see him at the seven on seven, so I avoided, I avoided putting him there because I had no <laughs> idea where they were going to have him. Uh, but I've listed him here currently at defensive back at cornerback, where he played last year as a sophomore. Also, Eric Jackson, who we saw a lot of last year, especially when uh, Mason Leonard was injured. Eric came in to play opposite Cam, so both of them are back. Saw plenty of to- varsity time last year. Same thing with Spencer Tanga. Um, he, he will be back in the defensive backfield and that I feel like that's his home natural position. So it's a nice, if cam stays at corner, they've gotten three nice established corners, um, that have seen significant time. And that's something in this day and age of prolific passing offenses, the more defensive backs you can have, the better it's, you know, would love to have Troy Corson manning the uh, the deep secondary and Caleb uh, with Brown, these guys. you know, yeah, and but, Caleb back right. there. But they're they've moved on. But the uh, the the outside the boundary guys are still there uh, at safety. Like I said, Gannon Brubaker w- uh, was starting there at the seven on seven, and he saw time there uh, last year as well. I'd also expect Nate Capitano to fill in one of the safety roles. I think you could see it with how much teams like to pass now. Wilson used more two safety looks than maybe they had even just a few years ago. So uh, right now, I think Gannon, Brubaker, and Nate Capitano would probably be those guys. But again, Josh Drake was not at the 7-on-7, and he played safety last year. So I definitely expect uh, him to be in the rotation in the defensive secondary, as well as uh, Rafael Fernandez and Nick Krakona, who you brought up in the quarterback discussion. I think Nick could be a very good safety. Um, He's just blocked by a few upperclassmen at the moment. But there's a healthy rotation there. Hopefully they can find... Uh, two guys that'll stand out, or maybe they've just got a whole bunch that they can rotate in and keep everyone fresh. But is there anyone besides uh, Cam who already spoke with um, that you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, you you, you mentioned uh, a lot of the guys who are going to be in the mix there, but I would stress that's a very important group because when you look back at some of the tough games Wilson's had in recent years, 
the opponents had big days passing the football. I mean, think about Ivy at Mannheim Township, uh, that district playoff game against Harrisburg, uh, they, where they had so much speed on on the outside. Warwick, um, you know. Yeah, that's not <laughs> right. Right. So that, that is a game that I never want to. <laughs> Talk about it ever again, That's, and I know all the coaches completely agree. Yeah, so, so I, I just bring those up to mention that it's important people because Caleb they they didn't like to use much in the secondary because he was so important on offense at quarterback. But with him and Corson gone, uh, those are experienced players, and you know Caleb was extremely fast. So. You could try and match him up with others. I think Drake will definitely be in the mix. I would expect Cam Jones to be uh, in the mix too. Um, so we'll see. But it, you know, with how many teams now go- are going to the spread, yeah, you have to be able to cover, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, that's kind of our quick, um, well, not so quick <laughs> overview of name, <laughs> names to watch, players to keep an eye on or keep an ear out for as we approach the season. And again, Justin and I will hopefully have more clarity on some of these positional battles and who's playing where and when when we come back for our next show on August 8th. Um, before we move on to the final discussion about all-time Wilson quarterbacks, I do want to post here the um, more recent um, awards for the lead dog that came out. We talked about this four months ago. Um, the 2021 lead dog award uh, created by the, the players and the coaching staff are players that have uh, stepped up and have kind of taken control of the offseason program. But now we're in the summer, so I believe this is, is done for now. I'm not sure they're going to do this during the summer or the season. Uh, but I have the four most recent ones up here. Previously, in between our last show and the start of this show, they also recognized the returning quarterbacks were also each given a lead dog award. Uh, But the four most recent here were Gavin Leonard, Wes Prentice, Jason Beckford, and TJ Flight, which shouldn't be a shock as we mentioned all of them multiple times for our offensive and defensive discussion. So it's good to see these guys stepping up. Uh, in the offseason, specifically in, in the classroom, the weight room, and in leadership roles. So uh, we want to thank the presenting sponsors, Remax of Reading and Time to Rise Fitness, for the Lead Dog Award, and to Gavin West, Jason, and TJ for um, earning it over the last few weeks. All right, so... Paul, I'm going to throw you into the fire immediately here. <laughs> we're actually going to go... I'm going to, we're going to go over your list completely, and my list, and as we talked about before... Uh, they're very similar. So if we, we let's just focus on yours for the moment. We can get to mine maybe right before we end here. Um, but we are going to talk about all-time Wilson quarterbacks. And I know um, I don't pull up the comments during the show, but I know there will be people um, during and after that will have a lot to say about these type of uh, lists that, that we do. Um, and when you're talking quarterbacks, people are always going to have a lot to say. And – Obviously, we can only pick five, so there are going to be people left off, and it is not to uh, belittle anyone that has played the position at Wilson. It's just for fun, so don't take it too seriously, okay? Um, we usually don't have problems with uh, people fighting in the comments, but I just want to put that. <laughs> I just want to put that out there that this is just. Um, I thought we would have more time to talk about it, so I wanted to have something prepared, um, and. Yeah, so we're going to talk top five quarterbacks at Wilson. And from the outset, Paul, I think 
we both were in agreement that you pretty much have to start with a guy in the late 80s and go to current because Wilson just wasn't a passing offense uh, from you know the late 40s through the majority of the 80s. Right. And th- what makes this really difficult is a couple things. Number one, there aren't a whole lot of high schools in the state of Pennsylvania that have the quarterback tradition of Wilson. All right. You have two pros here. I'm talking NFL level. And obviously... Shane Stafford, you know, has has been a pro uh, as well. So that makes it difficult. And also, style of play changed completely from Gursky Slemmer era to then Jim Cantafio taking over, and they were throwing the ball all over the place. But my number one, and I, now I'm wondering which, if I gave them to you in the right order, Joe, but. My number one is Chad Henney. I, I, I have the list. I'm okay. going to put your whole list up. Okay. I, asked, I interpreted it this correctly because I figured Chad wasn't five, so I kind of <laughs> flipped it. Okay. And, and I did put I put yeah. Chad at, at number one. So I have your whole list up here for everyone. Okay. To I, see. I'll do them in order though for you now okay. officially. But I have Chad number one and covered his very first game. It actually got rained out. There was yes. lightning. Uh, they were playing Harrisburg. It got moved to. Uh, a Saturday, but a four-year starter uh, threw for over 7,000 yards, over 70 touchdowns. He could do it all. He had all the physical tools you could ever want. I mean, look at the career he's made in the in the NFL by, you know, being a, a team player. I think that's a big part of it. He's in a great fit now with Kansas City. Um, they love him out there, but people also forget Chad was – a guy who could run. Now, when he went to Michigan, he looked slower. And in the NFL now, he looks a little bit slower because those guys all run 4-4-4-5. Four, 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 Browns might disagree with you after that <laughs> performance in January. <laughs> but, I mean, Chad could run. In, he had a rocket for an arm. And he also knew the playbook inside. He could run. By the time, I don't I won't, don't even know if it was senior year. I'd probably say junior year. He could basically run what he wanted to run. I mean, you know, he, he could be co-offensive coordinator with Coach Cantafio. Yeah, I mean, he he knew what he was doing there. Also, uh, Coach Cantafio always used to tell me that he'd be a great poker player because, uh, you know, he'd, he'd never got too high or too low. I mean, he perfect demeanor. Like, when you saw Chad, you knew he would, that was a pro. You were watching it. At the high school level, the very few quarterbacks I've seen in person that were that good. Jeff Smoker from Mannheim Central certainly comes to mind, uh, but Chad could do everything. So I, I put him number one. I put Kerry Collins number two, got to a state final. So obviously a lot of great players on that team, but they were 14-1, and one, only Wilson team to get to a, a state final. However, in the analytics age that we now live in, Joe, people would look at those numbers – and they, they'd think you're crazy. I mean, it may surprise people. Carey only completed 45% of his mm-hmm. passes, 20 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. But another reason I rate him so highly, he had all the physical attributes. I mean, could have been a pro baseball player. Mm-hmm. There were scouts, just like they come and watch Lou Coleman now. Carey was throwing plus 90. Pretty good basketball player, too. Yeah, physical player. I mean, Carey's baseball team, they got to a state final. A lot of people don't talk about that. They lost to Bethel Park in the state championship game, and Carey was a big piece of that on the mound. So I have him 
number two, and those are two NFL <laughs> quarterbacks. Right. Uh, number three, and maybe people could flip-flop three and four. I, I thought my top four were pretty solid here. Number three, I put Chris Adams, who was on the 90 team that went 12-2, and two, won a district title. Again, they didn't throw the ball. He, he had 13 touchdown passes and four interceptions. Um, so I have him three, and I have Shane Stafford four. I thought about switching those. I, if someone did, I would you know, have no issues with that uh, at all. Shane, of course, phenomenal basketball player too. One thing I want to point out quickly, because we live in this age now where parents feel they have to specialize their kids into one sport and one track. These guys you just mentioned – all multi-sport guys. Yeah. So if you think that the only way your son or daughter is going to be Division One is if they only play one sport, you're dead wrong, and you're ruining a lot of opportunities that they have from being with you know friends and teammates and having success. Look at this past year. Luke Holman had a blast playing basketball. basketball. Hadn't played since uh, he was a youth. So I have Shane, number four, uh, 93 grad. And then number five, was tough for me because Zach Zweizig is one of my favorite Wilson players of all time for basketball and football just because of his toughness. And I think a lot of people think Wilson, they think tough, hard-nosed, blue-collar kids. And that was Zach Zweizig. He also has the most passing yards per game in Wilson history. Uh, almost 180 passing yards per game for Zach. He has the single season yardage record, doesn't he? For one one season, he had more than than Chad. I thought so. I okay, thought he I, was... I, I'm looking at yards per game, but we both, maybe, oh, we both have our tradition. Yeah, no, you're right. You're here. right, Joe. Yeah, 2300. Yep. And Seth Klein was actually second uh, ahead of ahead of Chad. So yeah, so Zach's numbers are phenomenal. And I still think his basketball team would have won a district title if he didn't have a hand injury. But that's an, another story. But having said all that, I put Tony Sapola number five. The stats are definitely in his favor. His completion percentage was 66%. Phenomenal baseball player, too, for Wilson and for the West Lawn Owls. The 99 team was 12-1. and one. So he checks a lot of the, the boxes there. So that was my... Five, Henny one, Collins two, Adams three, Stafford four, Sapola five, and I hate leaving out Zweizig, but if we're limited to five, <laughs> those are the guys I, I'm going with. And I just checked my Twitter, and I saw that Big Mike Stahl had the same five as me. Which same order too? Um, I'm not sure if, if he put his in order or not. I think he might have. Uh, our order is not the same, but it's the same five. The reason I like that is he works for a distributor, so I like my Aldo <laughs> beverage. And also, Mike Stoll is a very large human being, so you know I'd to rather be, be on- with him. Is a yes. good thing, man. Yes. So- um, I had, I accidentally flip flopped two two of yours, so I apologize for that. I had I thought you had Shane at three and Chris at four. I so. I might have you know what I might have just flip flopped that on my on, drive over. I mean it was close. Right? Yeah, it was. And if you talk to different coaches, you know they'll have different opinions as well. So I had I was working myself into knots over this, trying to figure out how was I going to clarify or 
pare down this list because, well, to be honest, I knew who three or four of them were. I was three, definitely four. I was pretty confident, but that fifth spot, there's probably 10 guys that I could easily talk myself into for that fifth spot. And there are other quarterbacks in the Cantafio era that their numbers are going to look a lot more impressive than some of the guys right. that I mentioned. And that that's the toughest thing is comparing eras. And even though you're saying, well, there's only, you're only really talking about guys from the last 30 years, but even so, you know, the, the, the carry offense and the, the, even the one that um, Chris and Shane worked, you know, there was all, the quarterbacks from carry through Chad, like those, that like 12 year period, 13 year period or whatever it was, just phenomenal quarterback. Play. There, there was one period of time where at the college level, every level, right. Yep. Division one, two, and three, the, the highest rated quarterback well, in the Wilson country was a Wilson yeah. graduate. Um, incredible, incredible mm. feat. Um, yeah. Wh- who were all three of them now? I can't remember. It was carry at Penn state. It was Shane at UConn, and who was the? It was at Gettysburg. Was it Gettysburg? Was it? Um, I'm. I'm. Th- I thought it was Chris, but yeah, I, I thought it was Chris too. But now I'm, I'm talking myself out of it. Anyways, yeah, I, that's that's in the stat. Book oh, here. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's somewhere in here. At it's the a end. great. Can can people get those at the games, Joe? Uh, yeah. So this it's, uh, it's these, awesome. If you're a fa- Wilson fan, yeah, so it's awesome. this is the most recent. It's through the 2019 season. It's the history of Wilson football. It's mostly a statistics book. It was started by Rich Romick um, years ago, um, and Doug has taken over it since Rich passed away. Um, uh, Coach Dom's works on it, you know, in all his spare time that he has, you know, because he's got nothing else to do. <laughs> he sleeps so about he three hours a day. It, it was Adams at Gettysburg. It was Adams. Yep. Okay, so um, yeah, you can get these at the home Wilson games. I don't know if they'll have it for the Central Dolphin game. You might have to wait till the Martin Luther King game. Um, but if you're if you're a you know a dues paying member of the Tradition Club, you get it for free. If not, they're five bucks. And if you're interested in Berks County football, Wilson football, history, stats, this is definitely a book you want, want to have. And uh, Paul and I each yeah. used it for our discussion here. But I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on my list because, like I said, it's almost identical to yours. Uh, it, it's very, very close. The top three, it, if you go by what my interpretation of your top three was, our top three is exactly the same. It's Chad, Carey, and, and Shane. Okay. And I also have Tony on my on my list. I just moved him up from five to four. Okay. Uh, I, I, I Chris Adams was in the conversation for my five spot, but like I said, when I started talking about my list, I had a tough time figuring out what I wanted to use as criteria. And and at, at one point, I was like, I, I was kind of looking at guys maybe multi year starters. But there were too many single season quarterbacks at Wilson because it's tough to start as a right. classman at any position. Right. Uh, that there were too many great quarterbacks that only played for one year. And Chris Adams is a prime example because mm. you know came right Car- after Terry Ka- Collins yeah. guy in front of him, <laughs> uh, which ha- tends to happen uh, fairly frequently with uh, guys at positions that are studs and only a senior gets one shot and then they have a great year. And Chris Adams is a prime example. He's one that I kept thinking of. Do I have him at five? But because you had him on your list, I was like, I need to have some <laughs> kind of differentiation in there. Um, and we've already mentioned a few guys that I thought about putting in my number five spot. Uh, you mentioned Zach Zweizig. Uh, we talked about Seth Klein mentioned him. Um, another one that I was very interested in in considering and looking at was Connor Urig. I think he is an underrated guy because he also offered that dual threat. Um, very good as as a runner. Tough kid. Yeah. Uh, very tough kid. Um, 
it, it just like I said, there's there's a large amount of of people that you could consider for that that fifth spot. Um, but the guy that I ended up going with um, is Jake Templin mm, because his interesting. season in 2014 um, was just phenomenal. He broke Chad's record for touchdown passes in a season. They were slightly different physically. Slightly different, yeah. <laughs> but he was deceptively quick. I mean, there was one I, – I remember watching this from the sideline where they're running a read option and everyone thinks that probably Dantzler had the ball. And next, Jake's running down the sideline. No one is anywhere close <laughs> because they ran that play so well. And he wasn't the fastest guy, but he was quick and he knew what he was doing. And he sat – behind Matt Timichenko mm-hmm. and only played for one season as a quarterback and went on to have a phenomenal season for that team. Um, and I know there'll be people that argue with me about that and how I not, how am I not picking these other guys? Uh, but, and I've said this on the show many times and I say this every time I put out my best of list or all decade list, I have a huge soft spot for the 2014 team. They are probably my favorite team to have watched uh, at Wilson um, since I moved back to the area. I loved that 2014 really? team. Uh, they they were great. And again, just like we're saying, no, you know, it's not a, a dig at any of the other teams. Just like it's not a dig at any of their quarterbacks. It's just for fun. Um, but yeah, that 2014 team I, I thought was incredibly special. Loved watching them play. Uh, and, you know, in the class before them and the class after them were phenomenal. So that that was kind of a great great group that had come together and, and Jake was the field general for that team. Yeah. Colin Powers um, was after that and, and also had an unbelievably well, good season. He was competing with Jake Klein. There was the talk like there was the two guys yeah. going head to head and they gave it to Colin and Jake got to play defense then uh, at outside linebacker. And Powers was 18 touchdowns, two interceptions. Yeah, and all he did was be incredibly efficient. Yeah. yeah and and yeah. he's another guy that – Steve Huber was yeah. the quarterback guy. on the 2018 that um, Coach Doms has told me was the best defense in Wilson history. Right. So – when you think about that team, I always think about their defense first, but his numbers were terrific. And he was a multi-year starter. I think he eventually started as a sophomore. I think that was kind of a situation. That was when I was not in the area, so I'm not as crystal clear with uh, the 06, 07, 08, those teams. Uh, I did get to see the 2018 win the district championship when they housed Cumberland Valley. Um, that was a annihilation unlike anything I had ever seen. Um, but yeah, Steve Huber, another one that I thought about, Hmm, can I put him at five? And, and all the people we just mentioned, you can make a case for, and I'm not going to be like, no, you're wrong. That's what makes these topics so much fun. It's so fun. Right. It's, it's not, you know, it's like when people debate Jordan and LeBron or LeBron and Kobe, it's not like you're saying one's good and one's terrible. We're, you know, they're all good. Like anyone with any common sense knows they're all really, really good. These are all stars, but it's just, um, you know, in some ways, how you decide what your criteria is for ranking these. And like I said at the top, Wilson's football history makes this extremely difficult because they were an eye formation run it down your throat type of team and then switched to the exact opposite of that when Jim Cantafio took over. So you'll see numbers, you know, like we mentioned, Seth Klein throwing for 2,100 yards. Um, Zweizig throwing for 2,300 yards. So you'll see 
more recent quarterbacks that have bigger numbers. But I would say if you took Kerry Collins or Chris Adams or Shane Stafford and put them in those offenses, don't you think they would also put up oh, yeah, monster numbers? The they right? would. They, yeah. they certainly would. Well, and I always like to think back. Um, baseball always comes up to me. Modern baseball versus, you know, baseball 100 plus years ago. You know, everyone talked about, is Babe Ruth the greatest baseball player ever? If you put him in modern game with all the modern um, performance assessments and training, <laughs> I'm going to guess he probably would be pretty good, you know. But you can't necessarily compare numbers through eras and generations, it's tough, but that's what makes this conversation so much fun. And I appreciate the the people that have suggested this. You know, and depending on what criteria you use, your list could be massively different than ours. I feel like a few of them would overlap, but there's certainly a case to be made for many of the people. And I, I know I didn't include um, the most recent crop of graduates, so I didn't even consider throwing Caleb Brown in there. But as soon as I get that new stats book, best his, runner, his name's going to pop up there in the quarterback list a lot and like you said in terms of dual threat or the guy that posed um headaches for defenses as a runner if he had a full season last year he would have had over a thousand yards rushing as a quarterback yeah, he averaged 11 yards a carry so. from the, from the, the the quarterback position and, and last year was the shortened year so I, that's going to impact his numbers but scariest running the football he clearly was that guy with the, the type of speed that he had if he got to the you know second level he was he was going to be gone. So what was your five again so in it order? Was the same. So Chad was one. Kerry was two. Shane was three. I bumped Tony up to four. Okay. And then had Jake Tem- Templin at five. Okay. And then about seven other guys that I had under consideration okay. for that fifth spot. Um, so that that's, that's where I went. Uh, very similar to you. And I can't say that us being basically identical didn't have some input into where my number five went um, because Chris Adams was right right near the top of of my list as well. Uh, But you want to give us your five? I'd love to see it. Leave it in a comment, email it to me, post it in the tradition club, post it on Twitter, you know, tag me and Paul on Twitter with your list of your all time top five quarterbacks at Wilson. And I would love to uh, see it. And uh, maybe Justin and I will mention it on the next show. Running back is another fun one to do. <laughs> maybe next time you're on, we'll have to tackle <laughs> yeah, the running back. Yeah, it's backs. a loaded position. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's, that's much, I had a much harder time doing running backs than quarterbacks, to be honest. It was, yeah. Yeah. I, that's yeah. another show, though. That would be, <laughs> yeah. We could talk another yeah. hour just about Wilson running backs for sure. So. Um, anything else, Paul, you want to say about Wilson football as we enter the 2021 summer, getting ready for the the return of Friday Night Lights? Yeah, I mean, it, I think it'll be nice to have a regular schedule back and, you know, fans. Yeah, last year was just, it was really difficult. And then districts getting cut down. I mean, and we, we, you know, we know the impact that that had, but I mean, especially at the bigger school level. Um, you know, only having four in there. Uh, but uh, it's funny because people, I, I was telling people that I was going to be on this show, and, th- and then they'll say, is Wilson going to be good? I said, well, they haven't had a losing season since 1963. So it's not about are they going to be good. It's a matter of, you know, the scale. that They're always going to be good. Are they going to be great? Are they going to be district championship good? That's the issue. They're never going to be bad. You know, they're all, they're, there's too much coaching experience there. 
too much time, dedication put in. I'm curious to see. I mean, new quarterback. Uh, we talked about up front. Uh, I, I don't know that this is a team on paper that's going to wow a lot of people outside of the Wilson community. I, I don't think they're going to look at this particular Wilson team and say, you know, this is uh, going to be a juggernaut, you know, type of team. But, um, you know, we've gave some great stories of these seniors that nobody hears of because they've been sitting behind really good players and now they get a chance. And, you know, you saw them the year before and they were 185 and now they're 210. You know, it's a different kid. So, uh, you know, I, I think uh, for the players, there's a lot of there's a lot of time that's going to be available if, if they put in the work. You, you mentioned the history and, and the tradition and the streak. You know, keep the streak is a big thing. That's one of the membership levels of the Tradition Club is keep the streak alive. And you donate the amount of what the streak is going to be as you hope this season comes to a close. One of the teams of the last decade that, you know, I say 2014 is always the one I, I reminisce about the most, but the class right before them was always very interesting to me because you had that incredible 2012 team mm. with, you know, Junior Joseph headlining oh. all those guys. That was a stacked unit. Mm. Everyone was excited how far they made it in 2011 of what could happen in 2012. And of course, then they won the district championship in 2012. But all those guys graduate, all those big names that have been there. Yeah. Um, you know, and that amazing defense that they had, one of the best defenses that Wilson's ever had right up there um, with those units from the late 70s, early 80s, and, and 2008, um, numbers-wise. 2013 came in, and the predictions were that, not from Wilson, the LL previews and stuff, that Wilson would struggle to win six games. That, that, was, that was the thing. Well, this isn't your typical Wilson team, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then all they did was go undefeated and be a jo Joey Julius kick away from making the district championship. Oh, man. Um, you know, they got booted by Lower, Lower Dolphin. Lower Dolphin, on, yeah. Um, you know, Joe's big toe on a high 40, like a 47-48 yard field goal um, right before Thanksgiving, I believe, mm -hmm. it was that game. Um, it was disappointing, but they were 12-1 and one on a team that everyone said would struggle to win six games. Mm -hmm. Um and that's just to say, you might think you don't know the people. You might not know the players. Too many big names are gone, but it doesn't always matter. Um, and we've seen it um, year after year at Wilson that people just step up. You know, who's next and are you ready? So well, it'll be interesting to see if these uh, Bulldogs are able to do something that maybe some people don't think they can do, especially with that early season schedule. Yep. And, you know, losing a quarterback like uh, Caleb Brown, but... The consistency they have in the coaching staff and you know, why missing, which obviously is another phenomenal play, uh, uh, program, it's the same there. I mean, you see these, not only Coach Wolfram, but when I go cover these games, it's the same assistant coaches year after year. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're there for decades, and, dec that, and that's how you build you know, something up to the, pro the way you know, the expectations are so high. Now, with that you – know, they say heavy lies the crown. Yeah, you know, Wilson goes eight and four, and it's like the apocalypse just came <laughs> right. through Spring Township. Right. It happened two years in a row. Yeah, people were like, "Oh boy, what's going on?" Right, here? but also yeah. I would also say this because we went through the schedule. That's that is a brutal run. So at the end of the year, if they have a cup, you know, don't just look at a, a wins and losses column. Who did you play? You know that that's you always have to look at that. 
is, you know, some teams may be undefeated. Some teams may have four losses. Maybe the four-loss team is better than the undefeated team because of who they played and as opposed to the, the cupcake. Yeah, All the right. time, you have teams from other leagues that come in with an inflated schedule or inflated win-loss record because they didn't play anyone. Mm-hmm. And the power rankings try to take that into consideration. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But when you get to settle it on the field, it doesn't matter. Right. And, uh, yeah, so – I. I the focus always should be obviously they want to beat Mifflin, they want to win the, the the section title, but make the playoffs and make some noise there. Maybe you have some early season struggles, but that helps you focus, figure things out, and then make a run later. Right? Because yeah. if you end up going to or winning the district championship, no one's going to care how many losses you have. No, it doesn't yeah. matter. You don't get trophies and medals in September. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, Paul, thank you so much for joining me and, uh, you know, pinch hitting for uh, Mr. Raffoff. Um, <laughs> Big shoes to fill. He, well, he, he better be careful or he might be on the outs. I don't know. I, I got people, When's his I got, contract up? <laughs> I got people texting me for his head all the time. Oh, right? geez. That's usually just my dad giving him a rough time. But um, no, uh, we appreciate everything Justin does for, um, for, for the shows here. And we're excited to have him back for the next Bulldog Hour again, uh, which should be uh, in August, August 8th, I believe we will have some some interview to uh, get ready for the season which by that point will be less than three weeks away um but yeah so paul thank you so much for for coming to the bulldog hour studios sure thing yeah fun topics thanks for having me a great discussion and when we do get you back on the show we will have to talk uh running backs that would be fun we maybe will have to make it a top 10 and my la- final note, thank you to John Rahm. My DraftKings account <laughs> says thanks. Yes. Well, <laughs> congratulations on, on that victory um, that you played a large part in. Yeah. yeah. We'll, those those two windy putts he made, that was all me. That was you. Mentally. Uh, please, 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 yes. please. Um, so, yeah. So, thanks for listening to this episode of the Bulldog Hour. Again, we'll be back in about six weeks or so with another show. Um, but until next time... Um, you know, go Bulldogs and everyone sign off here and Paul and I are going to go watch the uh, fourth quarter of the Sixers game and they need some help. But if uh, we're flipping the script, Uh-oh. what they had done in games uh, four and five, then, then we're in, in for a good this night. Could it be a live so, wagering opportunity? There you here, go. Joe. There you go. So, all right. Thanks everyone for watching this episode of the Bulldog Hour and we'll be back again real soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.